Well, good morning. My name is Frank, and uh, if you don't know me, I get the, the great joy of, of being on staff here at East Parkway Church. Um, so Wayne is here, and then he's not here, and then he's back. So there's a long story. I was, I was going to share with everybody that, that Wayne and Abby had this, this plan for the last year to go run a 5K, but then it got canceled at the last moment, and he was going to be here, but then he's sick. So Wayne is sick <laughs> this week, and... Um, he should be here next week, but uh, I'll be with you again next week uh, doing a, just sort of a short mini-series, a two-parter. And if you look at your programs, you'll see that there's this sort of sports diagram on the, on the front cover of your program. And, and I know I've been in churches a long time. And, okay, compared to some of you, probably not a long time. But I, I've been in churches long enough to realize that there's somebody out there that's saying, Salvation is not a game. And that's true. So I just want to right up front tell you that we, I use that sports analogy for one reason. Because as we're called to go out, and I'm a walker, I'm a roamer, I'm sorry. I, um, as we're called to go out, as I was praying, I realized there's sort of two sides, aren't there? There's going out to be on offense, go out, making disciples, the edge ends of the world, sharing everybody. So we're called to go out and be on offense. But at the same time, we live in a world where there's sort of this side of defense. So this week I want to talk about being on offense without being offensive. And next week, I want to talk about this area of apologetics, of having a ready defense for what you believe. And just for some reason I called it being on defense without being defensive. <laughs> so now, now some may be thinking like, okay, so scripture says that the, that the gospel is, is an offense to those who are perishing. And that may be true, but that doesn't mean that you have to be offensive, right? Let's let what's offensive to people be offensive coming from the word of God, not coming from us. So as we get into that, I want to just really give us as we think about that, what it looks like to go out, to share with others, to, to share the word of God, to go places where people might think we're just bonkers and say, no, I'm not ashamed. I believe in Jesus Christ. As we, as we get into that, I want to give us all permission to relax because it's not us. It's all God. First uh, Corinthians in, in chapter 3 Paul's talking, he says, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Right? Amen? Amen. So we can go out there, we can share our faith with others, we can just be a joy to others and, and just share the gospel freely. And we don't have to worry about having all the answers. We don't have... To, to worry about knowing every, every bit of scripture that's going to perfectly fall in line to, to correct or rebuke or, or correct this person because God's in control. So I want to read. We're going to be in, in 2 Timothy, the second chapter. We're going to be reading verse 22 through 26. So 2 Timothy, chapter 2, 22 through 26. And, and Paul is writing, just to bring you up to where we are in the, in the letter, Paul is writing to Timothy in Ephesus. And, 
and he's encouraging him through, through the most part of the letter. And then he's, he's, he's writing and he's, he's warning him about false teachers. Uh, there were a couple, there was Hymenaeus and, and Philetus that were spreading this gospel that, or a false gospel that said that the, the resurrection was a spiritual resurrection. And it had already happened. So Paul's warning him about false teachers, and, and most, most scholars and, and commentators say that in this letter, Paul is sort of going back and forth between telling them, watch out for false believers, you're going to come in contact with false believers, and non-believers. So they're sort of going back and forth from non-believers, people you should be communicating with, to false teachers that you've got to be careful for. So um, that being said, let's read the, the scripture. Uh, if you're have the Bibles in front of you on the chair backs. It's on page 996. If you have my Bible, it's on page 914. <laughs> so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. God, I pray, God, God I come before you, and I know that I do not have the words that this church needs to hear, but you do, God. I pray First and foremost, God, that you would give me the words that you would have me speak, God. Let me be transparent and just people see through me and see you, God. Give me the words. Give us as a congregation ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to understand, God. And I pray that we would respond to your grace, to your glory, to your goodness by going out and sharing your fame, sharing your gospel with those in our communities, in this state, in this nation, and around the world, God. We love you, we praise you, and it's in the precious, the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. So, Paul is, is writing to Timothy. This is going to be Paul's last letter before he's executed, before he's martyred. And he knows that, and he takes this this. Paul, this, this wise man who's been through all kinds of trials and tribulation and struggles and beaten and imprisoned and shipwrecked, all kinds of ridiculous stuff. And the years and the, and the experiences have matured him to a point where he's, he's ready. He, he, he's, he's ready to send Timothy this final encouragement. He knows his end is near. He knows that glory is coming. He gets to meet Jesus face to face again. And he sends this letter to Timothy that's living in Ephesus, who's trying to, trying to ha have a little church in Ephesus, which is a, 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 a port town that's vitally important. All of Asia would have gone through Ephesus. It was, it was a city of sailors and merchants and travelers. And Timothy has a really hard time because this is where Artemis, Diana of Ephesus, is, is, is the goddess. And they're 
she, she's essentially the, the goddess of sex or goddess of, of fertility. And there are prostitute priestesses that, that, that have essentially sex as a part of their religious exercise. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, we think that, right? I mean, youth pastors have wonder why they can't get more young men to show up to the college age group now. Well, wow. What did Timothy face? So Paul's writing this letter to encourage Timothy. And he starts off and he says, flee youthful passions. And this, this, this word that, that Paul uses, epithymia, it, it, it's not necessarily sexual passion. It's those youthful desires and those longings that young people get to, to either argue or do wild things, crazy things, fast things, to start a fight, to get in a fight. And, and, and Paul knows that there are all kinds of people and temptations, places, things, situations that, that will draw our flesh out. They will be a temptation to us. They will arouse our flesh. And he's saying, flee from those things. Run from those things. Because Paul knows. I, one of the things for me is I love to debate. I love to argue. And I can cause division among people that I don't need to be divided from just because I want to be right. You know, there, there are all sorts of triggers in the world, and Paul says, run from those. You know what they are for you. What's your trigger? Where's a place where you shouldn't be? I, I always think of recovering drug addicts that, that, that get clean, that get sober, that find Jesus, and then about a year into their walk, they think, you know, I really need to go back to my drug buddies and share Jesus with them. And then they go back, and next thing you know, the bottle comes out, the pipe comes out, the needle, the spoon come out, and they're broken. They're broken men and women over again, throwing themselves on the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ, saying, God, forgive me. But broken in spirit and needing to rebuild. Paul says, run, flee. So, as we, as we think about that, and we think about just what, where shouldn't we be? You know, sin and, and our broken condition has, has messed with our brains. It, they've done studies of, of drug addicts, and they can, they've hooked them up to brain imaging machines, and they, they show them pictures of cats and nature and birds and nothing. Just sort of your standard... Brain, brain activity. But they show a picture of a pipe or someone using drugs, their amygdala fires up because their brain has been changed by sin, by, by addiction. So flee, run from those youthful passions. And then he says what? He says, pursue righteousness. And we say, yes, that's it. I've got to pursue righteousness. That's the answer. What's that mean? Does that the way I act? Do I need to act better? Do I need to be better? Do I need to talk better? What does that mean to pursue righteousness? And I, I'm trying to use some technology here that I haven't used. I was reading a book by, by 
John Bunyan, not, not Paul's brother, not Paul Bunyan's brother, but John Bunyan wrote a book called Pilgrim's Progress. And if you've, if you've read Pilgrim's Progress, you'll know it's a, a classic. But grace, abounding grace to the chief of sinners was the book that John Bunyan wrote before Pilgrim's Progress, which is his autobiography. And he tells a story, and it's, it's this classic story of a man that comes to faith, sort of, and then thinks, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe, maybe I'm not acting. Maybe, maybe, maybe my sin is too great. Maybe God can't forgive me. And then he overcomes that, and then he feels emboldened, and, and he's doing good again. And he says, but maybe I don't have enough faith. And then he wrestles with that. And then he, he gets over that, and, and it goes back and forth, where he kind of is emboldened and weakened, emboldened and weakened. And that, that's not uncommon in the walk of faith. And finally, at the end of the book, he writes this. He says, But one day, as I was passing the field, and that too with some dashes on my conscience, so he's still struggling, fearing lest yet all was not right, suddenly this sentence fell upon my soul. Thy righteousness is in heaven. And methought withal I saw with the eyes of my soul Jesus Christ at God's right hand. There, I say, is my righteousness. So that whatever I was or whatever I was doing, God could not say of me, he wants my righteousness, for that was just before him. I also saw, moreover, that it was not my good frame or heart that made my righteousness better, not yet, nor yet my bad frame that made my righteousness worse. For my righteousness was Jesus Christ himself, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what righteousness is. Our righteousness is in Jesus. We have a faith that's not about what we do or what we have to do. It's about what's already been done. Our response in, in our work, in our behavior, in doing the right thing, and wanting to be obedient to Jesus is a response to what he has done for us. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And then there's this faith element. What a great blessing faith is. You ever think about faith? And now, now Bunyan, again, not Paul, but John, and, and, and Martin Luther had this same sort of just awe of faith because they realized that even the faith that saves us is a gift from God. I mean, the, the poet writes, We wretched that we be, found once nigh dead, lost adrift at sea. The tempest grew and we tossed by wind, hurled beneath the waves. Surely we would all be dead if not thrown the rescuer's rope that saves. The the poet gives us a picture of, of people adrift and, and drowning at sea. And there's this ship that, that there's no way they can get to it. They, they can barely see it through the fog. And they're, they're, they can't swim because they're, they're trying to just hold their heads above water. And here comes a lifeline from the ship. And that's God. God gives us the faith that saves us. That is amazing. What a gift. Pursue righteousness, faith, and love. When you look at love, 
I, I think about Wayne's last sermon, the, those, those five characteristics of complacency, of feeling like we've already arrived, of being too satisfied, of, of being unteachable, to living in the past and a general lack of interest in our neighbors. And if, if we're complacent, and those are the characteristics of complacency, how can we love anyone? If we think that we have it all, if we're too satisfied, if we're not bothered that there are billions of people who don't know Jesus, if that doesn't bother us, if we're complacent in that way, how is that love? So, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Now, okay, I don't know if you do this or not, but I'm going to go back to the last point with, with the love. Did, did you all think I should have used 1 Corinthians 13? I, I do that. I, 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 that's, that's my sin. I confess it. I'll be listening to someone teach and preach, and I'll be thinking, why do you use, why do you use that bit of Scripture? I think Peter made a much, better, much more salient point when in his letter. Uh, so, that's my, so I didn't use 1 Corinthians 13, but we know it, right? Love is patient, love is kind. Holds no, holds no, no, no envy or, or resentment. It never ends. It doesn't want for wrongdoing, but it, it rejoices in the truth. Love never fails. That's love. And, and peace. When we look at peace, the peace of God, that peace that, that we know that no matter what we face, God is with us. That peace that knows no matter what happens when I'm out sharing my faith with others, God is with me. That peace that lets us know that it's not us, but it's all God. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And you might be thinking, I hope he doesn't repeat those things again or I'm going to scream. That may be true, but hopefully you'll remember them tomorrow. Pursue righteousness. Faith, love, and peace. Now, something happens here. He says, along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. So he's saying, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with your church, with other believers. There are so many people that think they don't need to go to church. I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, I I guess, sort of. But who's going to encourage you? Who, who's going who's gonna, to, when you're down, who's going to say, you know, the, the, the Lord is our, is, is, our, is our strength and our strong tower? Who's going to lift you up? I have a, I have a good friend who doesn't go to church, and he has a number of reasons. He's been, very, he's been hurt by the church and, and probably a little oversensitive. I, I would, okay, he's really oversensitive. But he, he just does not like his excuse is he does not like contemporary worship music. Now, I, I know you're hoping I'm going to say he likes hymns, but that's not the case. He actually, he likes heavy metal. And he, he opens up his computer, and he goes to this heavy metal church. He's streaming live in Florida somewhere, and the lead guitar player is the preacher, and, and he loves it. But every time I see him, he's more isolated he, he's, he, he's not encouraged. His countenance is, is in no way improving 
So yeah, he, he, he is a Christian. I know he loves Jesus. And, and, but he's not, being, he's not being lifted up. He's not, being, he's not in community, and that's what we need to be in. The church needs to be a place of community, not a place where we show up on Sunday, do, do, our, do our bit, our hour and a half bit, and then get out. Church needs to be a family. It needs to be a community that we share with each other. We're, we're open with our, with our foibles and our faults and our, and our weaknesses. I could, I could start on my foibles and my faults and my weaknesses and we'd, we'd be here next week. Because I have a lot of them. I, I, am, I am far from perfect as are all of us in this room. I, I think about... I wanted to read from... Peter. In Peter, First uh, Peter, uh, chapter five, probably verse eight, because I was thinking when we don't go to church, what, what's what's what a, what's the first thing that a, that an animal of prey will do when it when it's got a herd and it wants some lunch? It's going to isolate one of the members of that herd. And, and, and Peter tells us that. He says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. And that's what we see. When, when we're not part of a, a church body, when, when we isolate ourselves from the, the, the body of Christ... We're separated from the herd, and we are far easier prey for that prowling lion. So pursue patience, or pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. I think about this pure heart, and, and this is a little bit of an aside, but how am I doing on time? I'm, one, of my, one of my problems is I can just start going and, and lose track of time. I, I always think about the homeless shelter. Years ago, we started homeless shelter up in, in El Dorado County. And the first couple years were really tough. I mean, it was me and this other guy named Mike throwing like 18 homeless people in the back seats of our cars and, and people throwing up on our, on our seats. And it was really hard. But man, we prayed, and we read scripture, and we loved these people, and, and what, 10 years later, the shelter is still going. And, and I think that, and, and, and God bless them, I, I love them all, and they're doing great things, but, but I remember the last couple of years I was there, we would get together, and we'd have these steering committee meetings, and we'd have everybody show up. To the point where we had to say, okay, so each church just needs to have like one or two representatives. You, you know, you can't have like 12 and everybody's voting. And if your church brings more people, you're going to win the vote. So just, and then I said, you know what we need? We need a night of prayer. And no one, well, three people showed up. And, and one of them wanted to talk about logistics. <laughs> and I was like, no, I just want to pray. That's a pure heart. We need to seek God with a pure heart. There's a time for planning. There's a time for, for logistics and, and strategies. 
But, man, if we're not bathing it all in prayer, it's all for naught. So here, here, in the, here in the scripture, Paul pivots. And he goes from saying, right, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. This is what you need to do, Timothy, to be emboldened to go out. And here's what you do when you go out. This is where it gets hard for us. It says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. So what controversies in our day are foolish and ignorant? What are the controversies we shouldn't enter into? I don't know what they were for for Timothy. I mean, maybe they were, you know, this ship comes into the port from this country and they don't pay any fees and they don't spend any, any money here, so we should charge them. No, we shouldn't do that. I don't know what they were for Timothy. But I know what they are for us today, and you know what they are for you today. I, I have, and my, my wife Nikki tells me that there's this function on Facebook that's called unfriend, that you can actually do that. But I have this guy on Facebook, and he, his worldview, and, and, he, and he, he's a Christian, um, but he's very, very... His theology is much different than mine. Let's just say that. And his worldview is much different than mine. And he just says this very inflammatory stuff. And I try, I pray, God, just let it, let it pass. But he'll draw me in. And I find myself responding. And then I'm, I'm you know, like this. And he's like this. And, and I realize I've, I've done no good. All I've done is caused more division between me, me and him. And anybody that's been reading along, I've lost them too. So, I confess, that's my sin. I love to debate. I, I do. I, I do about silly stuff. And, and you know what are, are foolish and ignorant controversies for you. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have an opinion about things. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, have a cause and even work toward that cause. That's great. But uh, let me use an example. If I'm not gay and I'm having a conversation with somebody else that's not gay and we're getting in a heated debate about gay marriage and neither one of us are legislators, it's kind of best to say, we're going to disagree. Man, but I love you and and I, I respect you. I think you're wrong. But let me tell you about Jesus. Right? I mean, because whatever it is, and I'm not saying you can't go out and make it a difference. And I'm not saying you should keep your mouth shut. I'm just saying pick your battles and know when, and know when to start firing. Which brings us to the next point because Paul doesn't necessarily give us. He says have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. So Paul tells us not to be quarrelsome, but kind to everybody that agrees with us. No, that's not what he says. Not at all. Be kind to everyone. That's a bit harder, isn't it? Be kind to everyone, Timothy. To the, to the priestess prostitutes that are, that are taking all my people? Yep. 
to the sailors that, 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 that come in and, and filthy up our town and get drunk and start fights and destroy our town and use the prostitutes? Yep. Be kind to everyone. To those who flog me? Yep. To those who put me on a cross and crucify me? Yep. Be kind to everyone. Jesus was kind. I, I, I think Paul was, what was, I think he was unique. Because I think he was probably a little aggressive. And I think he probably liked to quarrel and to get into it a little bit in his younger days. But I think that he's writing now from a, a position of, uh, of maturity. So we're, we're not to be quarrelsome, but kind to everybody. Let me find my place back here in Scripture so I can read what it really says. And the, servants, and the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. That's tough. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents, his opponents with gentleness. So now all of a sudden we have to teach. We have to be patient. So how do we teach? If, if you want to confront anybody, you better know this. Because this is the word of God. And if, and if you can't stand on this, you can't stand on anything. Because this, this is God's... And I'll share, I'll share with you next week sort of my story of how I came to believe in, in, in Jesus. And it was, it was a, a cerebral exercise more than, a, more than a visceral. I really had to realize that... Well, I'll share it with you next week. But it, it, it does. It comes down to that that it's here. This is the truth. You have to know, if you're going to teach, you need the Word of God. The, the Word of God, Scripture says, never comes back void. Just a quick story. My first, I was a, a pastor up at a church in, in El Dorado County for about 10 years. And my, my first, what we used to call a bereavement call. So, woman, probably probably 40, 45. Her father had died on Thursday. On Friday night, her husband got drunk, they got in a fight, and he shot himself. I'm there on Saturday morning when the police show up to tell her that her son had been out with some friends, pulled over to the side of the road in, in, in Oregon to use the, re- the bathroom to go to the bathroom out in the bushes and fell off a cliff and was dead. So, I'm this. I wasn't young. I wish I was young, but I was an inexperienced pastor, you know. And and I'm there, and I'm like, oh, Psalm four, Psalm forty six, you know, clear, present help in trouble. And and I just gave her the scripture, and it felt really, really bad because it didn't affect her at all. She was wailing and weeping, and then by the grace of God. These ancient Baptist women, I mean, they, they looked like they were 200 years old, every one of them. They came in, and they sat down with her, and they cried with her, and they held her, and they loved her, and they showed me 
that that's, sometimes there's no answer. But you know what she said? She said, the Lord is my strong tower. She started repeating to me what I had said to her before the women showed up. So sometimes you need the word of God and then you need to, to sort of bathe it in love so it can take root, so it can hold, take hold. And that's, that's what these, these, these amazing women, and, and I remember them to this day because I, oh man, sitting there, three deaths in the family, all her closest people in the three days. And, oh, what do you say to that? And these women knew. You love them. You love them like Jesus. There's no answer that's going to make that better. But this won't come back void, so use it. You know, then Paul brings us to sort of the, the close of, of, of this passage. And it says, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snares of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So, one of the things I do, I'm, I, I'm a mental health clinician and, and um, addiction guy for, the, for Placer County. And what, one of the things I teach there is this, this thing that um, my wife Nikki and I, this curriculum called the Line 360. And one of the big things in that is the why. You know, when you, when you teach it in jails or prisons, all the women have a why. I want my kids back. I find that most of the time. That's a big why. Paul's given us an even bigger why. Why am I, I going to do all this stuff? Why am I going to go into a world that, that, that doesn't want to hear my message? Why am I going to go and, and get, you know, look at Paul, look at Timothy, you know, beat up, shipwrecked, thrown out, lashed. Why am I going to do that? Because the gospel matters. Because if you do that, if you share the word, then God perhaps will grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth. So if you do that, you're going to do it because it matters that they don't know Jesus. They matter. They're people. They are made in the image of God and they matter. Everyone. Everyone in this room, everyone in this entire land throughout this world matter. God wants them. God loves them. And we're called to love them. They matter. So what's the why? Why am I going to go out and get, get mocked and laughed at and, and scorned and rejected and have, my, have my, my tracks thrown back in my face? Why am I going to do that? Because you're doing kingdom work. You're building a kingdom. You're building God's kingdom. He's using you. That's a big why. That the eternal salvation of of. of Anybody, Wayne asked this question last week. I, 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 I wish that I could remember it. Maybe you guys. But when you pray, if God answered all of your prayers, if God answered every one of your prayers, would the kingdom of God grow? Would there be any more people entering into the kingdom of God? Which the question is, obviously, are you praying for people's salvation? Because that's what we say we believe, Right? And if we believe what we say but we believe, wow, we better pursue righteousness and 
faith and love and peace and go out and, and teach and, and, and confront people without being abrasive or quarrelsome, but speaking the truth. Because people matter. So, how's my time? Good? So, so how do we do that? And this is the beautiful thing. How, how do we do that? How do we go out and when Hollywood portrays us as, as the worst among us, right? They portray us as, as foolish, ignorant, can't write, can't spell, can't talk. When, when many, many in the media seem to, anything that a Christian does that's bad, they're going to put that out farther than anything else anybody else does that universities and, and the, the sophisticated among us are, are telling young minds that what we're, what we're teaching is, is antiquated, archaic, and, and useless. How do, we, how do we get the strength to face that day after day after day after day? And here's the beautiful thing that God has given us in, in Paul's letter. It's a loop. How do you get the strength to go out and face the hard things, flee from, from youthful passions. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. It goes over and over and over again, and then you're going to get beat up, and you're going to go back to that. And then you're, it's going to give you the strength to go out, and you'll get beat up, and you'll go back to that. That's the amazing word of God. I don't know how my time is. Um, I keep looking at my watch, but actually I don't know what time I started or what time I'm supposed to end. So, um, <laughs> this sort of habit. <laughs> if, I, if I look at my watch enough, they'll think at least I'm aware of what I'm doing. Um, you know, I love the Word of God. I encourage you guys. We're, we're called to go out to share with others and it's not always easy it's not always easy Paul knew that when he wrote to Timothy he knows it for you it's not easy sometimes you're going to use words sometimes you're going to use behavior sometimes you're going to write an article I, there, there are a thousand ways to share the gospel and it's going to be hard but God has you God will give you the words to say. We, we bathe our e evangelism. Can you still say that word in church? You know, we bathe our evangelism in prayer that the Holy Spirit would give us the strength, give us the words, give us the courage to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So next week we're going we're gonna to talk about apologetics and, and having a ready defense. And I hope you'll join us. Uh, I'm pretty sure I had more to say, but I'm going to close this now in prayer. Um, and we're going to enter into a time of communion. Father God, thank you for who you are and what you've done. God, give us strength as we respond to your call to make disciples of 
at the farthest reaches of the earth to go out to the farthest ends, to every nation, to every tribe, every tongue, and here in our backyard, God, in our homes, in our schools, in our workplace. God, give us that strength to boldly proclaim your name, to not be ashamed, to, to praise you, to love you, and to let everyone know that you are our king. God, we surrender all to you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.